0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is The Conversation Hour
1: on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria.
0: A friend was telling me the other day that they took their kids to the snow for the first time. It was a day trip in the middle of winter, but there was no snow and he had a t-shirt on. Victoria's snow season is changing from the cost of living to climate change. What is the future of our snow season here in Victoria? Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning, Nick Healy, joining you from ABC Shepparton. Nick, I've never... Look, I am the first (laughs) to admit we are not a big (laughs) snow family, never have been, but lots of people are. But it feels as though it's becoming... Harder and more affordable for so many people to be able to make it to the snow, and then you add climate change on top of that, and you start to wonder what will happen to that industry.
2: I am a little mystified about where it 's at to be honest. I am not been a snow person myself either. Um, it always struck me as something that was sort of out of out of my range i 've also never lived anywhere with a snowfield before now. Um, I know how many people love it, though. I know how important it is to so many families. But as you say, it's getting more and more expensive. And what is actually happening with how long they can be there? I mean, we've seen those snowfall numbers. We've seen the data that's been crunched recently. It's one of the worst seasons we've had in years and years and years. So where does it go from here? What's it going to mean for those businesses? For a lot of people, this is a livelihood. For a lot of seasonal workers who come through, this is something to look forward to every year as much as it is to make money. I, I don't know where we find ourselves?
0: Well, we're hearing that insurance premiums are going up as high as 800% for some businesses. Accommodation is hard to get, especially for seasonal workers. And then there are those who maybe want to go with friends or family. It's becoming really unaffordable to be able to pay for accommodation, pay for ski lift tickets, all of those things on top of it. You start to wonder. I mean, this is such a big industry of ours. It's such a big part of our tourism industry. But I know Nick that you go to the ski fields and to to, to go in summer, not in winter or in spring. So I wonder whether we need to start to look at these areas beyond just when the snow is supposed to be falling.
2: Maybe we do. Uh, look, I, I don't trust myself on skis. I can barely walk, to be perfectly honest. You know, I'm, I'm going to do myself an injury. So I go during what they call the green season. It's beautiful. I love the hikes there. On that accommodation, not that long ago, just as the season was getting into the full swing, I, I spoke to a, a young seasonal worker going up for one of those um, uh, jobs that she was really looking forward to. Um, she would only talk to me under the condition that she got to remain anonymous because she was telling me that they spend hundreds of dollars a week for a shared room not a shared apartment, a shared room and do it because it's going to be a fun time there but it's becoming I don't know how many workers can continue to afford to go to be perfectly honest based on what she was telling me.
0: So do you go to the snow? It's not cheap and there's no guarantee of snow so who was going either for work or pleasure and if you are still going to the snow what changes have you noticed either environmentally or financially?
1: On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria.
0: This is- is the conversation hour. Two of the least likely skiers or snowboarders <laughs> you will ever meet talking <laughs> about the future of Victoria's snow season. I did go once, I went as a kid um, back in the day, Nick, where you would go up for the day and we took the big heavy duty garbage bags as our toboggans, right?
2: Seems very normal to me. I mean, tobogganing's the fun one to do, isn't it? And why, oh, why, why would you pay rentals? Why would you pay rental? Exactly. Just get the garbage bags. You're have a heavy blast. Happy duty.
0: And then I went again in my early twenties, and I had someone kit me out with all of this stuff. Right, so it looks super cool. Wow. Had the goggles and the, 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 all the padded clothing, I even was given a snowboard, but did not have any lessons, did not know what I was doing. Notoriously
2: easy to pick up, the snowboard, yeah.
0: I proceeded to walk down the mountain, <laughs> carrying my snowboard, crying. <laughs> so it went well, and that was the last time.
2: I've always thought I was made for apres skiing. I always imagine myself more in just a really thick turtleneck standing around with a, a brandy and uh, somewhere near a fire. Totally. And that's all I ever wanted to do, to be honest. <laughs> So it's
0: just harder than the yeah. But lots of people do go to the snow and not only for pleasure, it's an entire industry. It is a big part of our tourism industry and there is a huge workforce that is there. But it's kind of taken quite a few punches over the last couple of years. Steve Belly is the president of Mount Hotham Chamber of Commerce. He's also a business owner there. Steve, there's a text here that says, please stop being so alarmist. Are you alarmed at the moment about the industry that you live and breathe?
3: Are they talking about me or are they talking about the <laughs> industry?
0: I think they're talking about a bit of both.
3: <laughs> no, look, you know, it's, it's a cyclic thing. Sure, there's climate change going on and we're, you know, depending on who you believe and what you believe, there's different degrees of, of you know, variation. But if we go and look at the data... Um, over the years that's been, you know, um, I guess collated by Snow River Hydro, uh, Spencer's Creek up in New South Wales, you know, we do have years of the good and we do have years of the bad. And look, this is not a good one. Um, everybody can see that um, by the lack of snow on the ground. You know, technology such as snow snowmaking um, in higher temperatures and, you know, better use of water, better use of air um, have made a, a huge difference and been able to see us through, I guess, with a product. Sure, it's not exactly what we want, but when people come up here, they can still ski, you know. In years gone by, it probably would have been a, a less likely exercise.
2: Steve, you said see you through, but how long can you go through seasons like that? How many back-to-back before people say, well, we're not here for the the manufactured snow, we we wanted something more?
3: That's a good question. Um, I probably don't know the answer to that, but what i can tell you is the visitation for this year is still pretty healthy um so people still want to come um you know as you were talking about before you know it is an experience it's quite different um we're seeing a lot of people that are also looking for alternatives to skiing and boarding and coming up with young families to build a snowman or toboggan and things like that so you know i mean Numbers are down on last year, but last year was an exceptional year with everybody coming out of lockdown. So I think we're about 20% down, um, which is not crazy given, you know, the conditions that we've got to deal with this season.
2: Steve, some of the things we're hearing in terms of the insurance premiums going up for those businesses, you know, as someone was saying, as Rich was just saying, rather sort of, you know, significant hundreds of percentage increase. Can you tell us yeah. what's happening?
3: Yeah, look, it's really revolving around bushfire insurance. That's what's triggered the whole thing. And obviously, you can see in the media that there's been some pretty big bushfires around the world. And it's not just Australia we're talking about. It's a a worldwide risk. And and people such as Lloyds of London have taken a a pretty firm stance on all that. And, you know, there there are works in play with Alpine Resorts Victoria and a, a major consulting firm and also stakeholders here to come up with. With alternative arrangements because you know when you see things that are happening over in hawaii at the moment that's terrible for those guys over there but it's also you know it's mm. it's going to um premiums over here
0: again i think it's um, going to impact here locally
3: it's,
0: Absolutely, Yeah. Uh, how are people going getting seasonal workers at the moment? There's lots of texts already coming in. I'm going to try and work our way through some of them. But this one, for example, it says, I worked in the snow last year and, yes, I'm paying over $200 a week for a shared room, the most I've yep. ever paid and I've lived in share houses, but they do take the rent out before they charge the tax. I still have to pay for my room back in Melbourne, though. Are you struggling to get workers there at the moment?
3: Yeah, look, it, the, the shared accommodation and staff accommodation is 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 very difficult, and there's no doubt. And there's a few reasons for that. Um, one one of the main ones is that over COVID, a lot of properties changed hands, and people came to isolate in the high country because um, it's a you know nicer place to to isolate in the country than sitting in the city. Sometimes, no offence to anybody out there, um, but so a lot of properties changed hands, and, and those properties. Those properties, that's not an upset staff Remember, that's one of those those properties, um, um, you know, once people went back to their own houses, they went into short-term accommodation. So whether it be through accommodation providers or Airbnbs and things like that. So that sucked out a lot of the properties in the market for staff. So you know, demand went up, prices went up, and also prices up here. You've gone mm. crazy, getting stock up here. Utilities prices, as we all know, general cost of living has been magnified up here. So it's really difficult for staff to actually come away with money at the moment. I'm being completely honest, and some people are going to say, "Oh, I'm being alarmist." But you know, I look at my staff, and you know, we have. A, a number of businesses that focus directly on the snow like snow play and, and things that require snow to work and we're in areas where we don't have snow making it's affected them big time.
0: Are you confident that businesses will stay and remain in the area are the businesses shutting up they can't afford either the insurance or they're just not confident that they're going to have the numbers coming through over the next few seasons?
3: No we're not seeing that um, we're seeing people I guess that word back from COVID pivoting uh, their businesses, changing their offerings, um, changing what they're doing, but still remaining open. Um, And I think, you know, this year is a a bit of a reminder to everybody that, you know, there are years that are bad and we just need to be able to somewhat insulate ourselves. And that's why, you know, these studies are being done at the moment with staff accommodation to try and make it more affordable um, with insurance premiums to try and look at mutual funds and other options we're self-insuring things like that. So, Ooh, you know,
0: self-insurance. I mean, you can't say that lightly. I don't think, Steve. I mean, self-insurance means no insurance.
3: No, no, it doesn't. No, we've already got some people are self-insuring. What
2: does that? What do you mean by what, that? What, what does self-insurance look like, Steve?
3: Well, it's basically they put some money aside to to look at events that, that may happen in the future. So, uh, there are some organisations who are partly insured and they're also partly self-insured
0: yeah so, but that's still no insurance but you've got enough money that you believe to be in the bank of your own money to cover you if something goes pear-shaped
3: well that's up to the individual business yeah i'm not i don't know um exactly what businesses have put aside but i do know there yeah. are some business partly
0: self insured yeah, well we know that self-insurance is a, a rising concern in bushfire prone areas as well yeah steve we appreciate your time thank you so much you're welcome. Thanks, Steve Belly, the President of Mount Hotham, Chamber of Commerce and Business owner there. This says, I was at Mount Hotham over the weekend. Lots of patches and everyone in the heavenly chair. Our pass was $850. We've only skied for two days so far. Did not have the ski opening weekend. That was normal. Uh, next year, it will be $949. Get real, says Vicky.
2: Yeah, and Marty on the text line saying, I've been to all the Vic resorts this year. Hotham has barely invested in snowmaking compared to the others. Snow quality in a poor season like this one is thus absolutely abysmal.
0: Danielle's in Mount Hotham. Morning, Danielle.
4: Oh, good morning. Um, Great to hear the conversation and I'm looking out. It's beautiful sun uh, through the window at Mount Hotham. Is there much snow there at the moment? Oh, yeah, look, there is. It's it's contracted. I mean, Steve Valley's absolutely right that, you know, it's not been the optimum season. But if you actually look at the long term, um, we're just ahead of average in terms of the cumulative falls. Um, but just sadly, it's been a bit warmer and we've had a bit of rain. But... Um, It's a billion dollar industry to Victoria um, and you know it really there's a lot of um, businesses looking to expand into the green season and I'm a member of the um, disabled winner sports board and people don't often think and I've been a disability guide for seven years and people don't often think about um, people with disability having a a place on the mountain but they certainly do and um, We have guides on the mountain that assist people in sit skis, vision impairment, all of that. And investment by state government and the board up here has invested in day facilities so that people with disability and older people will be able to access the mountain uh, during the green season as well. And I think particularly that that is the future. But I also wanted to say that, um, and my name's Danielle Green. I was in the state parliament for 20 years. I retired at the November election, uh, but my husband and I are filling the gaps. We're older workers filling the gaps um, on the mountain here, and my husband is also a bus driver, so hes um, well, he has a heavy licence. He hasn't been a bus driver before, and uh, he's driving the buses around here, and together we're managing a lodge, and oh, we've met wow. a lot of people, our age group, um, who are filling that gap. And we can probably afford it a bit more than younger people. But there's a lovely mix of um, age groups of workers up here.
2: Danielle, are you saying filling the gap? What, what sort of gaps are we talking about? What, what's leading to those gaps?
4: Oh, look, I think it's the same with, I mean, the stuff that Steve Belly said about the changes in ownership uh, for um, accommodation. But I think you're finding it all across uh, regional Victoria in, in um in the visitor economy you know whether it's on the coast in Warrnambool where we now live or in Lawn or Port Ferry or you know Lakes Entrance you know that Airbnb and changed in changes in tenure um, and housing affordability overall are, are having an impact so um, you know the ski industry is no different to that uh, but You know, I think probably those of us who are, you know, the Gen Xs and the Boomers um, who have our own homes, um, you know, maybe we can afford the accommodation here and we've got our homes elsewhere. Um, but, you know, hopefully our young people are going to continue to be able to work in this beautiful place as well. I
0: wonder and- how possible that is, though. I mean, there's a text here that says staff accommodation off the mountain at Buller would be shut down if it was inspected. I'm hoping it doesn't just Oof. yet because my son would lose his job. Is is there sort of like a, a two-tiered economy going on within the the snow world, Danielle, like those who can afford to go and those who are working there and living in subpar conditions?
4: Oh, look, my my son lived and worked here for eight years, so I've seen it, you know, as a mum and now as a worker as well. And, um, you know, there really is a shortage. But, uh, you know, the um, Gro- uh, Grollo's uh, company family have invested uh, buying the dinner plane at the Hotham Airport at dinner plane and they're planning to put in a um, an RV park, a caravan park, so that'll mm. be the um, highest um, caravan park in Australia and it's quite common in North America and Europe and And I have great hopes that that'll mean that there'll be more families will be able to come and visit and um, you know, bring their caravan or their RV coming up the Safeway mm. via Odeo and that will then free up some of the cheaper beds on Mountain um, which will hopefully mean that our young people will get a better go and maybe it'll just mean that then the lift company will sell more lift tickets, so there'll be more investment.
2: So. Yeah, Danielle, thanks very much for that. I really appreciate it. Danielle was working in Mount Hotham. It does feel still a little upstairs, downstairs, in terms of who's there to holiday and who's there to work. Uh, Peter from Torquay. Peter, good morning to you. Yeah, uh, good morning. Um, you, you used to work as a lift operator? Yeah,
5: decades ago I was a lifty, like a lot of young, you know, goers go up there and work. It's all part of the fun of it, but... Back then, the accommodation was included, so I'm sort of a bit horrified to hear of people having to pay rent. Um, it's, it makes it all very hard. And I went over and worked in uh, the ski resorts in New Zealand, and all my money there just went on food and rent, and you come away with nothing. So it's a disincentive for a lot of people to go and work up on the mountains now. So I don't know whether lifties get their accommodation included, but that was the benefit when I did it.
2: Yeah, no, I've heard from a few people that it was quite different back in back in the day, forgive the expression, but sort of not only accommodation taken care of, but staff meals depending on where you're working as well. You know, you may not have been paid much, but it made it all worthwhile. Whereas now, again, these stories of people spending two hundred, three hundred dollars, not for a room, for a bed in a shared room. I mean, it sounds horrifying to me.
5: Yeah, the meals were included too and that made all the difference, you know. It just um, made it for a happier environment, happier workers got, you know, made everyone happy.
0: And I guess too, if if you love skiing, you love snowboarding and everything was kind of included, it made it affordable and you got a little bit of money on the side as well. It would be a shame, Peter to lose that to lose that experience and I love the idea of being a lifty it's just kind of sounds cool I don't know if it is a cool job but it sort of sounds fun
5: it's not a cool job, it's a cold job. You think about it. You work every day outside, and then on your days off, you're outside skiing, so you spend virtually every day of the winter outside.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, I guess you sort of know that when you sign up to to work as a lifty in the snow. This, it says, two days at Perisher for myself and my 15-year-old daughter cost $1,000 for ski lifts. It will be the oh. last time for us. We just can't afford it. My 70-year-old father did get a season pass for 110 I suppose that's something that maybe I'll do. I'll go skiing again when I'm
2: And Paul says, going to the snow, it's an elite pastime and it's getting worse. No way would I take my kids to the snow. I'd have to take out a personal loan. It is overpriced for what you get and there's a few other texts saying that, Rochelle. Yeah,
0: it says I came from a a skiing family. I have an Italian father. We always went to the snow in the 70s and the 80s. I've skied my whole life and done seasons overseas. However, I've given up on Australia over the past few years since COVID. 200 plus for day tickets, $50 plus for daily national park entry, $20 for a sandwich, etc, etc. And there's little snow or no good snow. Half of the trails are closed. That's from Marty who's in phillip island between cost of living and climate change what is the future of victoria's snow season do we not not need to start to spread it out so that it includes other things like mountain biking Mm. and hiking as well so that we're not just reliant on what seems to be a shorter and shorter and a more expensive period nick
2: Uh, look i'm loving this text it says victorian high country is gorgeous outside the ski season. I lived in Dinner Plain, which is just ten minutes down the road from Mount Hotham. It's stunning, worth visiting in springtime in particular. As I said, I love to go to Mount Buller during that green season. It is. It's a beautiful time to have a hike. Um, but it feels like a ghost town when you're there. There's nothing around well, and that's not much the thing, open.
0: Right. So could you buy your twenty dollar sandwich even if you wanted to?
2: <laughs> I think I did get a plate of hot chips, but that was about all I could vocate. So there we go. Nothing wrong with hot chips. It's <laughs> gonna get you off
0: that mountain. Henry Wise well known as Mount Hotham restaurant owner, is also a physio. Henry, we're kind of hearing that the, the, the snow world is dividing into almost the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. What are you noticing?
6: Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Look, skiing has always been an expensive sport. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, but there's no taking away from the beauty of the alpine environment up at Hotham. I think we are impacted. Uh, personally, I believe global warming is impacting us this year, but there's a natural variation, and next year could be a bumper year. It just it varies from year to year. Everyone here is sort of hoping for a donut season, which means a great big hole in the middle, and we're all hoping for more snow
2: coming along. Henry, you run a restaurant up on Mount Hotham. What's it been like yeah. over the last couple of years?
6: Uh, I was listening to Steve and Danielle about all the pressures that have happened because of the economic and demographic shifts. I've got had to buy an apartment so I could accommodate my staff. I'm very lucky. I've got a crew that comes and works for me every year. But that's what I had to do. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to have the restaurant business. It's just the reality of what's happened with the changes in ownership. And you know, we want to continue on doing what we're doing. But you know, the you, the rise in interest rates, um, the the rise in you know inflation, the cost of everything is going up. It is getting much
0: much harder. But we're carrying on. So, why is it that you had to buy an apartment for your workers? Was it because there oh, was the no on, other... Uh,
6: no staff accommodation
0: available. So, there must and, be lots um, of people going then. How do you mean?
6: Staff Well, fleeting? there must be
0: lots of other visitors and tourists oh, if yeah, accommodation the has been taken is, up. Is,
6: the place is packed. I mean, yeah, there's, there are a lot of um, uh, new visitors to Hotham, first-timers. And the, even though we've had a retraction of the snow this season, which, are, as I mentioned, can be just due to natural changes year to year, there there is a lot of um, alternative terrain. I mean, uh, the, we've got huge areas of beautiful alpine environment, and the alternative is to go alpine touring, which is a different type of interaction with the environment. So, do you guys know about what that is? No. Nick and I know nothing about the it's snow. We're as we go. It's a, it's a different kind of. Skiing, where you actually you walk out, um, you have uh, uh, different kind of bindings on your skis, and you have these adhesive skins on the bottom of your skis, which are basically a copy of um, seal fur that allows you to go uphill, climb uphill. And this is what I learned how to do this during the COVID lockdown. It's a fantastic sport. As a physiotherapist, I know it's so good for your body and your fitness, and it's just a really good alternative to the da- to downhill skiing where you you know the uh, where there's less snow in the in resort. So you're out of resort, you're in the backcountry and if you want to learn more about it, you should come what to the back country festival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do have to know what you're doing. You really yes. have to learn learn it and do it safely. And everyone should uh, check out the backcountry festival, that's it potham in the first weekend of september henry i'm so fascinated by this i've never
2: heard anything about that at yep, all it's just becoming going back much, to you much
6: more popular
2: just going back to you saying you had to buy an apartment for housing your workers has that then yeah. worked for you have you been able to make that work has that proven to be viable yeah, is well, the, the restaurant looking good <laughs>
6: my my staff love it because it's a luxury apartment they've got the best accommodation on the mountain basically but you know, I really try to look. At, if you look after your staff, they'll be loyal and then they'll look after you. So that's and where's been the majority really
0: well. of your workers? Are you, do you rely on seasonal workers, or have you got locals working for you? Oh, of course. You,
6: uh, no. Th- so these are kids that, in, you know, under normal circumstances, in our summer, they'd be working in Japan or or uh, Canada or Europe or places like that. They just love the snow and they follow follow the snow all over the world. So yeah, they're they're um, either uh, they either work on the coast. Uh, in the green season or they work overseas but yeah they're they're um, they love the snow they love interacting the right riding and boarding um, and the other side of it is I've got a physiotherapist helping me out as well uh, so we've having to look after all the you know, we've got to realise that there are injuries associated with these mm. sports, and oh yeah, we've had lots of people saying a, they
0: don't don't do yeah. it anymore because when their fifty-year-old body hits the deck, it hurts <laughs> yeah. too much. Henry, thanks uh, so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Henry Wise, well-known as the Mount Hotham restaurant owner and a, a physio as well. It's really conflicting here, Nick. I mean, what I'm a little bit confused about now is lots of people saying, look, we're not going because we just can't afford it. But then Henry's saying, but there's so many people here. But it's jammed. We've got to buy an apartment to house our workers.
2: I'm seeing this text in from Kim saying uh, we live in the Alpine regions, have had two daughters work uh, both at Hotham and then at Perisher. Uh, one worked as a lifty, the other as a ski instructor. Both had to supplement their income with hospitality work and nannying in order to be able to live on the mountain and keep working there. Conditions have worsened all round. Uh, little duty of care for employees. Kim, one of the many people painting a pretty dire picture of what it's like yeah. to actually be one of the workers, not one of the people visiting. I think that's where the divide is happening.
0: There's another that says very similar. My daughter was working for a prominent ski, high, and retail company last winter. Terrible conditions living in a shared house, rent taken out of her pay. Three people sharing a bedroom, 12 to 14 are in the house, working six days a week. Promised lots of time to snowboard, but hardly got any time off. It was very expensive to buy food in the shop, let alone eat out. If you want workers, then something has to change. That's from Laura. Andrew's in Richmond. Morning, Andrew. Good morning, guys. Yeah, look, I'm a
7: member of just like a club lodge up at one of the mountains and all the mountains are interested in are just putting up rock and glass castles that people struggle to afford to, um, you know, rent and go up to the snow. It's the club lodges that take external bookings and really make it reasonable for um, families to still go and stay. Some of them are, you know, a shared accommodation shared bathrooms and kitchens but at least you can come back to the lodge at lunchtime you don't have to eat out in an overpriced restaurant and um yeah some of us are getting to the point where we need to uh actually renovate and renew and um uh the old alpine boards weren't really doing anything to assist us in that regard in terms of giving us long enough leases to take out loans Um, And now I believe there's um, an all-encompassing alpine board that covers all the Victorian results. It would be really good if you could get them on and speak to them with regard to how they could influence bringing the cost of skiing down, Mm. because I think it's every Australian's right to be able to go to their alpine environment and enjoy it and stay there at a reasonable cost.
2: Andrew, just making sure I'm understanding what you're saying, you are suggesting some of the more affordable lodges, some of that more kind of shared accommodation where people are yeah. really there just to ski, that's disappearing and instead it is going into that very more luxury resort hotel kind of ab- feel. Ab-
7: absolutely. Absolutely, because some of these lodges that were built in the 50s and even 60s are just um, struggling to find
0: developers to help them redevelop. And I wonder um, how much of that comes down to the insurance that we're hearing about as well and that it's just not becoming cost effective. Andrew, good on you. Good to get your perspective on this. Lou says, as a teenager in the 80s, I could afford to have several ski weekends a year (laughs) on my part-time after-school job, but I can't imagine even full-time workers being able to afford to do that now.
2: Uh, I'm just going to say from Fred in Preston, this is quite amazing. I am amazed by the optimism and ignorance of these business owners regarding how climate change is going to affect them. Yes, in the short term, the snow levels are seasonal, but medium to long-term snowfalls are are decreasing year on year. It's not a belief thing. It's a fact thing, says Fred. Uh, Tim's in Heidelberg. Tim, good morning to you. Uh, Hi, guys. Tim, what did you want to say?
8: Oh look! I was just I was, actually I'm just picking up the point um, your, your previous um, caller made about um, ski clubs. So I'm a member of a ski club. I have been for many years, and a lot of a lot of the accommodation up at the, the mountains were originally the the, um, the enthusiasts that formed clubs that joined. And um, if you end up joining a club, you find accommodations much cheaper because you you, you know it's um it's not exactly um, luxury accommodation. They're shared rooms. <laughs> we for example um I'm a member of the drift uh, actually it's the CSIR ski club we have the drift chalet up at mount hotham and the accommodations it's shared rooms so I normally um go up with a friend of mine and we we have a sort of bunk bunk room that we share but then there's a shared kitchen and it's actually a really good community spirit mm-hmm. so it's it's not just the um the skiing the other point i wanted to make also was pick up on the the cross country skiing downhill yes. skiing i admit is really expensive just for the ski ticket um, and uh, but, the, but cross-country schemes. Yeah, there's
0: cheap. lots of people saying find other ways. It doesn't have to be expensive, but I think it's the accommodation and aren't we seeing that across the board, Nick, when what our expectations or some people say, I want to say our, I'm talking, you know, the royal our expectations mm. of what accommodation should be now <laughs> and what it should... Oh, I am the worst, right? So I'm a I'm luxury all the way. So it's their friends and family that are spitting their tea out as I say that. But the expectations of something gorgeous and something luxurious. We all want the turtlenecks and the cup of, you know, the little Uh, uh, goblet of brandy.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's funny, though, but that's what I, as someone who doesn't go to the ski season, that's someone I've always imagined it, learning about these ski clubs, learning about these sort of more affordable lodges where people who are passionate club members come together, sharing bunk beds, well, not sharing bunk beds, but in bunk beds, um... I think that sounds great. I I was unaware that that was a part of it. I'm sad to hear that that's a diminishing part of it, to be honest, in terms of um, how was it termed before, the stone and glass castles that are going up
0: I actually wonder who is going up and where are you getting your workers from? How are you managing to house your workers as well? And are we just doing it all wrong? You know, do we need to think about how we can do the snow differently? Maybe it's using it for bike trails, using it for hiking or like Tony says in the CBD, I bought a session pass. It's been great. I've been up four times this year, probably around eight days this year, but I've just been camping at the base of the mountain and I've only paid $120 in accommodation. Tony, that is great for you. My idea of a nightmare, by the way. (laughs) But I can see the attraction.
1: On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria.
0: This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt and Nick Healy with you. We're discussing the future of Victoria's snow season, whether it be affordability or whether it just simply be a lack of snow. Lots of techs, Nick, talking about it's not just something that's happening in Victoria. This is happening around the globe. And if you want to sound posh when it comes to skiing, lots of people also (laughs) saying, well, there was no ski season in Europe this year either. So this is not something that is just affecting us here in Victoria. And that's a result of climate
2: change. It is. GD on the text line saying there's one mountain in Tasmania with snow and it's been marginal for years. The same is coming for Victoria. Um, And I think that might be right on that front. Professor Mark Howden, Director of Climate Change Institute at the uh, ANU, the Australian National University. Professor, good morning.
1: Good morning, Rochelle. Good morning,
2: Nick. Are you um, in no way surprised by, I think, the variation we've seen in the ski season this year?
1: Uh, no, it's uh, fairly predictable. Um, when you look at that long-term trend from climate change just driving down uh, snow depth and snow season length, um, uh, it's 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 a fairly strong trend here, and and as you were mentioning elsewhere, but then we also have the overlay of the El Nino and La Nina. Mm. So la- last year being a La Nina, we tend to get more rainfall in southern Australia, more snow. Um, this year, of course, being a emerging El Nino, um, we get tend to get less snow, and uh, and that's exactly what we've we've seen.
2: So, Professor, when some people are saying this is always cyclical, you have good years, you have bad Mm. years, there's something to be said for that. But you would say that taking a more climate than a weather perspective, taking a look at that long-range and the long-range data, you'd expect this to be more common?
1: Indeed. So what we're actually seeing across the globe is uh, strengthening climate extremes, and that includes the El Niño-La Niña cycle. So we're tending to see... La Niña is becoming stronger and uh, getting more rainfall in this part of the world with the La Niña and the opposite with El Niños, so um, less rainfall, more drought type conditions. And that, that means the peakiness of the snow is likely to also increase. So uh, when we get a good season, it's probably going to be pretty good, not too dissimilar to to past seasons, but we're probably going to get a lot more poor seasons.
0: So one of the people that we spoke to earlier was hoping for a donut season that idea of well everything around it might actually be okay is there hope for a donut season for the the snow the snow season Uh,
1: in in the sense that there's other things to do in that region No, in the
0: sense that we might get snow when we don't expect it so outside of what we expect the season to be
1: yeah uh, well it's always possible and we know that weather's uh, inherently difficult to predict um but uh what really counts i think in in years like this is is laying down a base and so when you've actually got a a base of snow um when when you get additional snow it can build on that base if you don't have that base then additional Mm. snow tends to melt and so uh, i think the chances of getting a a really great finish to the season are probably fairly slim at this stage
2: Professor, obviously we're talking about ski season today and what it's meaning for the businesses there, but what's it meaning environmentally? What's a, a poor snow season mean for the flora and fauna that live in these alpine regions?
1: Well, for, for some species, think, thinking, say, the um, pygmy possums in the mountains, um, they actually require snow because it actually helps them insulate and survive winter. If, if you don't have snow, they tend to actually uh, suffer badly in those circumstances. So those types of species are affected badly. Um, when you don't get as much snow, you get less uh, water when it melts, and so there's less water in the landscape and less water in our rivers and dams. Um, and so, because... Snow is actually a very efficient way of transferring precipitation into into water and dams, um, and so so you you tend to get those sorts of impacts on any species which is reliant on that, whether it's platypus or fish or you know crayfish or um, soil invertebrates. So so yeah, there's those sorts of impacts. And
0: does fake snow help in any way? Does that does that help the flora and fauna in any way, or does it you know just doesn't have all of the things needed from the natural stuff?
1: Oh, I mean, when when you when you're putting in snow in in our systems, we we tend to suck water from the the nearby um, creeks, etc., and yeah. um, pump it up onto the onto the ski slopes, and so you know, eventually, most of that will come back down to the creeks um, just a little bit later in the season. Uh, so probably only marginal impacts in terms of the total amount of water. Uh, but of course, if you've got uh, s- um, pumps which are actually powered by electricity, which is generated by coal-fired power stations then whilst you may not have a big impact on the immediate environment around the ski fields um, there is one on the global environment through greenhouse emissions
0: has it been long enough yet to see any impact like maybe any threats to species to extinction is there anything that you're concerned about that if this trend continues that there will be an impact
1: I think we've got um, a pretty fragile environment up, up in our alpine our, our areas uh, because there are multiple threatening processes, including things like pigs and horses um and uh and so and and humans as well we can we can muck things around quite a bit and of course we've seen significant increases in fires and so um when we look at those environments it's probably uh we've got climate change as well as many other threatening factors um and and it's the accumulation of stresses that tends to make things problematic so, so far, we haven't seen a lot happening in terms of, say, species extinction here, but there are plenty of species which are um, you know, significantly threatened um, and and we, we need to look after those pretty carefully.
2: Mm. Professor Mark Howden, thanks very much for that. Uh, Mark's the Director of the Climate Change Institute at ANU. On the phone line, we've got John in Heathmont. John, good morning. You're a lodge member yourself?
9: We've been lodge members for a while and we've, we've skied... Um, two and a half weeks this year, and even though the snow's been down, we've still had a a really good time. And you tend to ski on on what's there because the skier's a eternal optimist.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'd want to be if I was strapping skis on at my age. I think I'd feel very optimistic. But um, in terms of people around, well, fifty eight. Okay, well I'm you're doing better than me. So
9: <laughs> all my mates up there, are all we're all old. You know, we're surviving. <laughs>
2: you know. So look, all be... your mates are up. Like you're sounding like this is, as you said, not skiing on a lot, but everyone's still really passionate about being up there.
9: Oh, absolutely. It's. I think you're putting a bit of a, a slant on. Yes, it's. You know, people on a normal on a, a lower income can't ski except to go up for the odd day, I guess. But you know, you get your season pass at 850 bucks. And you've got to pay four hundred bucks for your car, so you can. So if you know
0: and you budget that in, and if you can afford it, what about the idea though, John? That the I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe workers have always kind of had dodgy accommodation, but there's just so many messages coming in about the level and the quality of accommodation of those who are working there. Here's just one of them. Hey guys, I was a worker for years at a few different mountains in hospitality and all the housing conditions were pretty bad from mould to people sleeping in the hallways. Most of the time I would tell people to go over sneeze as, overseas as you get better snow. I mean, what about the workers well, conditions? Does that need to change?
9: Well, I'm not. I know some of the people in the lodges who are lodge managers, something also work up there. So I mean, but we're sleeping for the the two weeks we're up there. We, we've got a five-bed room that we take my family and friends up and we've got bunks and there's a double bed and three bunks in there and we all jam in and with enjoy. the community kitchen and so on, we really enjoy it. Yeah. So I guess a lot bunks. of the, I mean, the younger staff are mm-hmm. up there to ski and to work and they have, they have a great time, but I, I think there's probably a need for more
2: accommodation, and This is how do, we, the, how do we
0: do that, I guess, as well.
2: Yeah. John, thanks very much for calling in. I really appreciate it. Also on the line, Darren in Ashwood. Darren, you actually own a lodge?
0: No,
10: no, I don't own one. Uh, my uh, family been involved in a lodge at Hotham since, uh, like, the mid-60s. Um, trying to build it with a group of other people. But uh, yeah, I was just—I texted in early, just saying that um, the lodge was totally booked out after about two weeks of the booking app being open for this year. So um, you know, there's obviously demand for skiing. You know, a lot of people are going up. Obviously, with um, with our lodge being booked out, and it was kind of disappointing not be uh, not being able to get any um, room nights this year. But uh, I mean, kind of with the, the season the way it is, it's I mean, Hotham's better than Buller because it's higher and it's in the middle of the uh, the Alpine region, so you tend to, be, tend to get better snow coverage anyway. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of just an observation. But Yeah, Darren, kind of just quickly, when
2: you say you're booked out, is it the same names, the same faces who come back season to season? Is it new people coming through? I mean, what do you notice as, as someone who's handling those bookings?
10: Uh, I, I think it's um, the... Most of the members are just going back up there because with COVID and everything, you know, we had basically three seasons um, where people couldn't ski. So I think because of that, there's um, more interest in it, you know, last year, this year. um, Yeah, so that's what I sort of put it down to Mm. is that maybe in the past people were a little bit, oh, we'll just see how the season goes. And then people oh, oh.
0: really miss it and then want to get there. It's interesting, Murray says, come come on, guys, I don't disagree with your overall thoughts on ski season, but have a heart and don't talk down this season and potentially impact heaps of businesses. Have a look at the Falls Creek snow cams for a real view of what the conditions are really like, says Murray. And others say, come on, why do the workers go up there? Because it's fun. Interestingly, though, we've heard from a few workers saying we actually have to work so It wasn't so much. a lot of
2: fun. Well, yeah, people saying they have to do other jobs to make sure that they can afford to be up there in the first place, which... And,
0: yeah, I can't get there. But the last thing, we I mean, we're talking about this because it is important. It's a big part of Victoria's it's tourism. It's a
2: huge tourism
0: part. We want it to succeed. It's just looking at what its future is, and we're allowed to analyse that. John's called through. John, you're actually one of the stakeholders at the Hotham Association. Good morning. Good what morning. Are, what are your thoughts on... T- Today's conversation and some of the concerns that people have around workers, worker shortages, worker accommodation. Uh,
1: excuse
0: me. Just a minute, got a phone. John, I'm going to just pop you back on hold because we just don't seem to have a great connection there. Maybe he's up at the snow as we speak. <laughs> Chris Hocking is joining you now. Chris Hocking is from Mount Hotham. He's a Falls Creek photographer. Chris, I mean, as a photographer, you want some of the best snow imaginable, I would expect. What have you noticed over the last few seasons?
11: Oh, um, well, I've just come back in for a, a ski and uh, what a great day up here. It's uh, it's, it's blue skies. Um, I've, I've just uh, come off some great groom runs and a lot of people really happy. What you tend to find, um, I, I think the Australian ski industry is actually alive and buoyant right now. Um, I've, I've, I've seen uh, a lot of people really enjoying the season as well, so... You know, every, every season seems to have its own signature, um, and th- that might be characterized by heavy snowfalls or, or sunny skies and whatever else. But um, I think that's, that's the changes over the years. It's, it's cyclical, but uh, at the end of the day, you've got uh, still people enjoying being out there, being on the snow, and, and, and enjoying their craft.
2: Chris, you're talking about the changes we've seen. I've been really fascinated by the people saying that they think the affordable accommodation is disappearing, it's becoming harder and harder to get in those lodges, it's it's more expensive resort. You've been up there for years. What what sort of changes are you seeing?
11: I, I think there's, there's a differential between... Um, I, I actually think that the season pass, like the Epic Australia pass, is, has changed the game within Australia with with it being, as, as John mentioned earlier there, with... Uh, you know, the season pass just allowing year-round choices, you know, in terms of being able to ski ski your resorts here um, at, at those Vale resorts and then um, and then beyond that, you know, that allows also overseas skiing on that as well. But um, in terms of domestically, I mean, you can always do a, a cheap holiday um, by staying off mountain, you know, down in Bright or, or Mount Beauty or something mm. like that. And in, they're beautiful the parts of below. the
0: state. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and,
11: yeah, and the other the other part is you know these club lodges they're they're very affordable. So it's 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 a bit like a person going you know do do you stay in the city at a five star place or a two star place or a backpackers? It's, and it, you, it you live and
0: breathe winter sports, Chris, and you've I think am I right in believing that you've even followed the Olympic team around the Australian summer when and when you travel around. Are you noticing, and even when you travel globally, are you noticing similar trends? I mean, there's a message here that says, I lived in the resorts for years, restaff accommodation. The USA went down this path decades ago where they had to build dedicated employee accommodations in the villages in order to have workers on tap. Do we need to look at what's happening overseas and maybe tweak what we do here locally?
11: Yeah, potentially that's, that's the thing is, um, you know, higher demand also means that uh, you're going to have to find decent ha- uh, staff housing so that's that that maybe is the way to look at it um in, in terms of um over the years like what i've seen over those years is you know I, I my wife and i we we um you know we're going oh, back 25 odd years but you know we lived in a small house uh in a place called fernie and you know we we lived with I, I don't know. Probably eight or ten people in the house, and it was just the way you did it. Mm. It was fun. Mm. It was. It, it's an age group thing as well. So, you know, there's probably um, more requirements for people who are, are, you know, working day in day out and that sort of thing, or working their five day week and and that sort of thing. But I, I think I think the the, the ski companies have, and and a lot of the stakeholders around have have looked at it and and done their best with with what's in front of them. But you know, looking at overseas. Um, and what they've done, I, I think that's maybe the way to look at it.
2: Chris, I'm really glad you uh, were there for us. Thanks very much. Chris is from Mount Hossam. He's a Falls Creek photographer as well. John, who is a member of the Hossam Stakeholders Association, back on the line. John, are you with us?
12: I am. Sorry about that.
2: Don't be sorry at all, uh, John. Just in terms of what Rochelle was asking before, you know, we're we're hearing that accommodation's getting more expensive. Workers are finding it harder and harder to afford being up there. What are you seeing and what are you hearing from businesses?
12: Uh, yeah, from businesses, and I think Chris summed it up really well. Um, Who spent a lot of time up in the resorts? We're a victim of our own successes a little bit. Um, visitation into the resorts has gone up fifty percent. So. That puts pressures on workers, because you're trying to do the same amount of work for a lot more people, and that forces uh, accommodation costs to go up. And I've been pleased to have so many people from the lodges speak today, because I think they are the ones that originally started off in the ski resorts back in the 60s and 70s, and they did it at a low-cost basis, but it's hard work. And I think what's just the, the challenge for a lot of lodges that we represent is there's a lot of hard work going on, but there's a lot of regulations with prescribed accommodation, particularly after COVID, all the difficulties in complying with the regulation there. Mm. And there's a lack of infrastructure because there hasn't been a spend by government.
0: Mm. And I think people love it. People that do it absolutely love it and want to be a part of it. This I've been a lodge member for 40 years. I've taken my family and my grandchildren up there. It's a lifestyle. And, yes, we share and we have a holiday lodge with our winter friends who we've known for 30 to 40 years. The snow is declining, but the fun is still there. And I also love the idea, Nikili, of seeing the, the beauty of that part of Victoria <laughs> Outside of the snow season, I'm not saying that the snow has got, you know, it might be declining, it may come back. I'm not saying it's going anywhere. Climate change is impacting it, but there's other times you can go
2: there are and a couple of great texts on that on Mount Buller which again I go to during the green season when I can someone saying Mount Buller has amazing mountain bike riding, Falls does road bikes over the summer, uh, Will saying that Mount Buller has become a really busy place in summer thanks to that mountain biking it's skyrocketed in popularity over the past couple of years and they've invested a lot in those trails it's an amazing place to escape during a hot summer month and it is, it's always a few degrees cooler up the mountain, it's, <laughs> it's lovely really is. I'll be
0: back with you tomorrow and Until then, be safe, be well, and we'll speak soon.